Amen. Hey, we are on chapter two, dealing with the topic once again, part two of Does God Exist? That's right, John. And uh, in our study, introduction to apologetics. That's right. That's where we're at. Stall enough time as you get there. And of course, that is uh, uh, dealing with chapter two. We're dealing with, once again, as we saw before, the four classical arguments for the existence of God. We're going to, this chapter is all about the teleological argument or the argument is the whole topic of design and the importance of that is if you see design in something that implies it's purely by chance no. praise god you're listening that would be no is correct as we saw just to get you baited up for that logical response if you see design in something it implies a designer okay uh is the old watch analogy that i've shared uh, various times once again if i came in here tonight i know it's been a couple of weeks since i've been here uh, but if I came in here and I says, guys, I'm so excited. I save uh, 10 bucks. Didn't even have to go to Walmart to get this baby. And uh, because what happened was I saw something, a gleam in my eye, out the corner of my eye, Ruth. And it was right over there in that empty uh, lot over there. And it was this watch. And I went over there, picked it up. You know, had nobody's name on it, so it was cool. And uh, I am firmly convinced that that watch spontaneously combusted over there over millions and billions of years because there is rocks over there. I saw them with my own eyes and dirt and wind and maybe a couple of lightning bolts struck it. And, and given enough time, it just came into this watch. Now, if I, again, if I really believe that and after two weeks of vacation, uh, I came in here and I stated this uh, uh, emphatically from the pulpit, what would you say? Last time you went on vacation, where did you go on vacation and what did you eat or drink on vacation? Because something's wrong with your brain. Okay, right? And then you'd say, uh, wrong, call a deacon's meeting. (laughs) Anyway, uh, but uh, no, why? Because this watch with about maybe 12 moving parts, that's all it is, right? Everybody knows watches come from watchmakers somebody had to make this thing okay and folks it is ludicrous to see once again we're going to begin a journey all the way from the telescope down to the microscope it is ludicrous to say that anything on uh, planet earth even beyond the earth in the space the atmosphere you name it happened by chance everything is incredibly designed uh, way beyond just this watch okay and uh, we're going to see that okay but that's what it is reason number two that's what this whole chapter is dealing with that one Okay, every complex design has a designer. Okay, now why is that important? Well, if you reject that obvious logical response, right? A watch implies a watchmaker designer, right? Then what you're actually uh, incurring upon yourself, the Bible calls is the wrath of God. Now, how many guys would say that if you're going to do something on a Saturday afternoon, probably storing up God's wrath is not a good thing to do? Right? Okay. And believe it or not, that's what the Bible says. When you reject this obvious evidence of intelligent design that clearly implies a designer, capital D, i.e. God, it's not good. In fact, what we're going to see is it's not only not good. This is the reason why, folks, this lie called evolution is the reason why we are seeing the absolute utter decay and destruction of our country. Because we started with the audacity to say there is no God and we're turning a blind eye to the evidence that everything is designed by him. Open your Bibles to Romans chapter 1. It's the classic text. We're going to read the whole context, not just from 18 to 25 this time, uh, Lord willing. And because I want you to see that, listen, this whole issue of evolution that we're dealing with, okay, that denies the very first page of the Bible, not just the creation account, the very first sentence of the very first paragraph of the Bible. In the beginning, God is the one who created, not a cosmic accident or burp. We didn't come from the goo to the zoo to me and you. Okay, we came from God. We're creating his image, okay? And, uh, but let's take a look. Romans chapter 1 is going to tell us what happens. And I don't think it's by chance. It's in absolute direct orders. We see the decay of our country is to what we have done to this obvious evidence of design that God's left behind for us, okay? It's not good. We're following the same unfortunate pattern, okay? It says this, verse 18, when you get there, say moo. Moo, got a couple more. Get a little, uh, one more time. When you get there, say moo. That's better. All right, there we go. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who what? Suppress the truth by their wickedness. Now, in the community here, we all know that when you want to share creation, when you want to share the Genesis account, when you want to share the Christian perspective, hey, it's an open field. We can teach it in schools. They, they have equal airtime on the History Channel and the Nature Channel for the Christian perspective. They're suppressing the truth. Exactly what this text says. And God says the wrath is coming against that. You guys know better. We already read before in our previous study that the reason why they're doing this isn't because of lack of evidence. They are willingly ignorant, dumb on purpose. They are turning a blind eye to the facts. And Romans says they actually suppress it from people. That's what's going on today. 
Okay, in the media and the educational system. Now, it's by their weakness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them. Why? Because God's made it plain to them. Well, how? Well, for instance, the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have not just been seen, but clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, i.e. creation, what he created, so that men are without excuse. I didn't know there was a God. Did you, did you live on planet Earth? How many guys live on planet Earth? Praise God. All the rest of you. Huh? Right, let's just keep moving on. All right. <laughs> Whoa. Anyways. How many guys have always lived on planet Earth? A little bit better response. I'm still a quandary with the first response. But anyway. Uh, yeah, okay. So that's everybody. Nobody's going to get before God because you've been on planet Earth. What God created, you've witnessed his creation and all the things he's created. So you're, not, you're without excuse. You're not going to stand before I didn't have enough evidence. You're here, aren't you? Right? And that's what he's talking about. Okay? For although they knew God. Come on, man. You know the evidence is there. Although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile. And their foolish hearts were darkened and they claimed to be wise. Isn't that the way it is when you try uh, on the, you know, apparently what you got to have is a giant IQ and a really funky hairdo, you know, and this guy really knows what he's talking about because he's using these big giant words. And John, you and I can never compete with that because they're so wise. Listen to that word. That was giant. I can't even spell it. You claim to be. Okay. Thanks, John. Uh, Let's move on again. Part two. Uh, (laughs) But they claim to be wise. They act so wise. Is that the intimidation factor? I got degree upon degree upon degree. And you can just come back with some common sense. Really? Let's take a look at a watch. And they sit there and they'll literally go, oh, oh, oh. Right? But they claim to be wise. But God says, man, you're acting like fools, okay? Uh, is what's going on. And they exchange the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, God says, fine. You want to reject me? I've given you all this evidence, tons of evidence. You actually want to say everything popped into existence by chance? What are you going to get for that? Stage one, uh, the 50s, 60s, when evolution started being taught uh, in our school system, what was the next thing that came down the pike? If you study statistics, every single thing of moral uh, thing went right through the roof. I mean, not talking like 10%, we're talking 500%, 725%. It's just absolutely nuts when they rejected God. Remember the days you used to have the Bible and prayer and God in schools? Not anymore. So you supplant that, you get rid of that, you turn from that, you suppress that. Here's stage one. Therefore, God gave them over to the sinful desires of their hearts to what? Sexual impurity, okay, for the degrading of their bodies with one another. Why? Because they exchanged the truth, take it out of the school system uh, of God for a lie, evolution, and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Now, because of this, you don't want to turn from that, okay? Keep forward and fast forward even to our day. What happens to the morality? What happens to the society? It continues to go downhill. Because of this, God now gave them over to shameful lust. Listen, what was the next sin that started to enter in after society started to decay, after they took that step of teaching evolution, denying God's existence? Because, bingo. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts. Even their women exchanged natural relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed indecent acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their perversion. What is happening today? Do you think it's by chance that stage one, we saw the rise of morality in, in morality in general, and then starting in the late 80s, 90s, really started making its inroads, stage two started to come, and now it's everywhere. It's exactly the pattern from Romans chapter one. And it all has to deal with denying the existence of God. I, I'm telling you this, getting equipped, a uh, Christian with apologetics, is not just a difference of worldviews. We, in love, have are armed with the truth and even scientific truth to demonstrate to a world, listen, we can predict where our world is headed because it says what's coming next. Do you think it's bad now? We ain't seen nothing yet. Listen to this. He says, now, you didn't want to turn from that? And we're not turning from it, are we? We're accepting it. He said, furthermore, since they didn't think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, now he gave them over to a depraved mind to do what ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They're gossip, slanders, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, boastful. They even invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They're senseless. They're faithless. They're heartless. They're ruthless. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue 
need to do these very things, but they also pass legislation and cram it down our throats and say, you got to do it too. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm reading too much in there. They also approve of those who practice them. Folks, that's where we're going. Okay? How's it working out for you? So planning God in the minds of the people through the education and the media, okay, with a lie called evolution, denying his existence, we're in stage three now. I was just reading an article today. A guy was warning. And we talked before on the final countdown study about the wickedness and where it's going to go. And this whole homosexual uh, aspect, this is the tip of the iceberg. What's coming next and what we're already starting to see next, now it's moving into even uh, further uh, angles of that to where uh, they want all equal rights for anybody who's doing anything, including uh, pedophilia and things of that nature. It's coming, folks. They already have the court cases, as we saw, that they're using the same justification from the homosexual movement, okay, that that is their uh, right, and as long as there's consent, then it's perfectly fine. They're using the same argument that uh, homosexuality is used to win in the court system to use now for pedophilia. The article that he said today, you think it's getting dark? He said depraved mind. Listen, what he says is don't you think that the church even isn't going to go along even with that? And I'm talking about the apostate church. Because who in their right mind would have ever thought that the church of Jesus Christ would have caved on the issue of, come on, that homosexuality? I mean, this isn't like something like, well, you're a five-point Calvinist versus a four-point, or you believe in all the gifts or some of the gifts. I mean, this is, come on, Old Testament, New Testament, it's clear, right? Nobody would ever cave on that one. And what are we seeing? And his warning was, listen, you're not only going to see society cave on these issues and go further into darkness, invent ways of doing evil, you're going to see the church is going to do it too because the church is slid. And the church is going to continue to accept these things and tolerate it under the name of just got to love one another. That's where we're headed. We are headed towards a wicked society. Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be at the coming of the Son of Man, Jesus Christ. And if you look at Noah's day, completely wicked, we are fast approaching uh, the same thing. Why? Because what are we studying? What's this chapter about? What's Romans 1 warning? Where did all this stem from? Because you are ignoring the evidence of God's existence. You have the audacity to say he doesn't exist when he's left behind for you so much evidence. Absolutely nuts. So let's take a look at some of that com common sense evidence. Now, this is a quote from John Updike. He said, the most miraculous thing is happening. The physicists are getting down to the nitty gritty. All right. And uh, the last thing they ever expected to be happening is happening. God is showing through. Right. And, and they've developed with the uh, technology, not just microscopes now, but electron microscopes. They can get down to the nitty gritty. And you know what they're finding? There is nothing uh, that is uh, uh, not, not uh, complex. Everything's complex. I mean, in fact, the more you magnify the thing, it's like, oh, a whole other layer of complexity, right? And that's what I'm saying. God's showing through, okay? And, but no, just took billions of years, John. That's all. Yeah, give me a break. And so let's go deal with some common sense logic, okay? Uh, the first picture there says this. Now, imagine you're hiking in the area of the world that you believe no other person has ever been before, okay? As you're hiking, you see one rock on another, that first picture there. Now, would you now suspect that someone had been there before you? No, because it's just one rock. You know, a, a, we, and from, even from a Christian perspective, the reason why we have the topography that we have is the leftover uh, uh, remains of the first judgment when God flooded this world. And when God flooded this world, that not only gives us the shape and things that we have today of the topography, but you have big giant rocks kind of in the middle of nowhere because if you can imagine the whole earth covered with water and as God drained it, then it has the power to move giant rocks out in the middle of nowhere and it could have left a rock like that. That's not a big deal. I, I wouldn't necessarily think that one. But here's the point. Number two, if you're hiking in the same area and saw several rocks on top of each other, and if you look, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, not counting the little teeny tiny one at the very bottom, um, then it says, would you suspect that someone had been there before you? Remember your original premise that nobody's been here before. But you saw that now, what would you think? Yeah. Why? It's just common sense. I don't have to apply math. I don't have to get a degree for this. My brain, okay, tells me there's no way that happened by chance. One, maybe. Two, ah, but no. And then in symmetrical? No, come on. Remember, the watch is 12. This is 8. Right? Here's the kicker. Our bodies have 50 trillion rocks piled on top of each other. They're called cells. But that happened by chance? No, now listen, there's a, even a major difference than that. Not only 50 trillion rocks or cells, 
But these things are not inanimate. They're living. And then when you get into the nitty-gritty, as he says there, when you start to look inside these things, there's nothing uh, uh, by chance about them at all. There's nothing uh, uh, common about them. These things are literally micro-factories. You see what I'm saying? So we not only have 50 trillion rocks, but we've got 50 trillion rocks that are actually miniaturized factories more complex than the space shuttle. Oh, and by the way, they all have to function. They're not just stacked there. They're actually moving, and they're actually working in concert with one another for an intelligent purpose to keep us alive. But that all had my chance. Isn't that neat? Isn't that awesome? You know what I'm saying? I don't think, I, yeah, I just, I, I'll apparently just get that weird hairdo going and, and you're good to go. And people will believe it, right? Something as simple as just showing this, believe it or not, to the skeptic, listen, come on. Do you believe that these seven rocks, eight rocks probably, right? Well, what about the 50, rock, 50 trillion, not million, not billion, 50 trillion rocks inside of us? It's, it's insane, right? Now, the next page I'm going to warn you is the world's largest rock group. Okay, so turn your page. And if you saw this rock group, this formation, okay, Mount Rushmore, ha, 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 okay, uh, would you suspect that somebody had been there before you? All right, why? We all know this can happen purely by chance, John. The wind, right? You know, and, and, and the seasons come, the seasons go, exfoliation, the cracks in the rocks, expand, and just happen to perfectly form a nose. Yeah, truly, it had to been, you know, 60. I'm thinking more 70, Bobby. I don't know about you, but anyway, so, but, you know, what? Okay, uh, now, here's the point. You, 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 nobody, you, you, you thought the seven rocks on top of each other was bad enough. <laughs> Come on. Uh, but wait a second. You would have me to believe evolution that um, you, th- you wouldn't think that these faces on these rocks happened by chance because that's ludicrous. Somebody did it. But you believe that the actual men that these faces represent did? That's ridiculous. Ridiculous. I didn't have to get a math degree for that. Nor a funky hairdo. Although, I don't know, I'm still working on the 80s look, but let's move on. Uh, now, now, nature is somewhat predictable, he says. We know that the wind, the rain, the snow did not create the faces of the four U.S. presidents on Mount Rushmore. The design is too complex. It's obvious that an intelligent, talented designer artist created this right common sense logic okay and so let's move on now apply that same logic with the rocks or this rock group okay common sense now let's apply it to what we see in our universe okay our universe from the outer regions of space to the microscope telescope to the uh, microscope the world of atoms and molecules our universe displays here we go complex design first blank you got it there bobby we're cruising now complex design purpose we got a lot of words on this one order and arrangement complex design purpose order and arrangement what's that john that's right a complex design purpose order and arrangement all right now let's just take a look at a few facts a few rocks if you will of our universe and you tell me if it uh, makes sense to think that this thing all popped into existence by chance okay let's take a look uh at the first one he says this now here's the facts folks this is science right we're moving from just common sense logic which is a good thing by the way Okay, to have. Now we're moving to science. Okay, true science. Let's deal with the facts. If our universe had not expanded at just the right speed at the moment of origin. So this is at the explosion factor. When God spoke, and it happened, right? They call it the Big Bang, as we saw before. Just because there's a Big Bang, that doesn't disprove. That actually proves the existence of God. Because the Big Bang proves there's a beginning. If something has a beginning, that implies a beginner. Just like we didn't pop into... Uh, this world out of just nothing we came from a beginning our parents okay same thing so he says not not just the fact that there was a big bang but the speed of the explosion listen that if it didn't happen at the right speed life on earth would have been impossible now listen even stephen hawking who doesn't believe in god he has calculated that if the rate of the universe expansion uh, uh one second after the big bang had been smaller by listen this is how precise it has to be Otherwise, the whole thing wouldn't have worked in the first place. If it had been smaller by even one part in a hundred thousand million million, how many guys would say that's probably smaller than a hair? This is precise. If it even had been smaller than one part of a hundred thousand million million, the universe would have collapsed into a fireball. But it's all by chance. Because what happened was there was nothing and nothing exploded and here we are. That's what they teach in the textbooks. 
because we caught them, as we saw before. They used to say it was a tiny little ball of dirt that blew up. But the common logical sense question was, hmm, where'd the dirt come from? Who made the dirt, right? So anyway, but let's continue on. That's just one factor, okay? Now, keep in mind, as we read through this whole list here, I don't know how far we're going to get, but as we read through this list here, okay, any one of these disproves evolution. But we're going to keep going and going and going and going and going, okay? And what you're going to see, Christian, we don't need to shrink back in fear, okay? The evidence, not just logic, not just the Bible, but scientific evidence is on our side. Why? Because we operate from a position of truth, lies. If something lies, it doesn't work. And evolution is a lie. We don't have to run in fear. Let's continue on. If the precise amount of matter were not uh, produced at the moment of origin, the universe would have never been formed. So the amount of stuff that blew up in the first place was varied from what it was. It could not have happened. If the universe, after it exploded, not just the rate of the explosion itself, but as it continued to go, the expansion of that, if it was at any other speed, then life would not be possible. If the electrical, gravitational, electromagnetic, or nuclear forces in our world were any stronger or weaker, if it varied even a tiny bit, life could not be possible. It's almost like it's dialed in precisely. Very interesting. If our planet were, listen, not tilted exactly the way it is at 23.5 degrees, on the axis of rotation, life could not be possible. Very interesting. The next page, if planet Earth were any closer to the sun, it would be too hot for life to exist on Earth. How many guys can figure that out without any help? Right? Okay, you don't need uh, some Star Wars movie if the guy's, oh, we're going to the sun. I wonder what's going to happen to them, Ruth. Yeah, you're going to fry. Okay, so same thing with the whole planet. Okay, right. It's, weird. it's almost like we're positioned exactly where we need to be. And not just us, but all the other planets and galaxies and sun and moon we're going to get to that in a second if it were any further away then it'd be too cold the direct opposite the distance happens to be underline this phrase just right now remember our opening text is the wrath of god is being revealed from heaven against men who suppress the truth by their wickedness why would god what we've been through just four five six of these now excuse me can you imagine god first of all i created you and then you have the audacity to say that I don't exist when I've given you this evidence, this, 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 and that's not even counting the scripture. What? Anyway, so let's continue. If the size, composition, location, and orbit of the sun, earth, and moon were not just what they are, life would not be possible. So listen, it's not just the earth being in the right place, it's the moon being in the right place and the sun being in the right place. Exact right place. Now, remember, evolution would have us believe that just everything blew up, it was complete chaos, it was totally random, and then all of a sudden, uh, I guess the sun stopped where it did, it got tired or something, and then next thing you know, hey, here comes the little earth thing, and he decides to camp out too. And then Mr. Moon eventually came along and says, hey, can I join you guys? Right? Okay? And it just happened to be, don't think so. Yeah, hey, he's right. All right? Let's continue. Now, this is what's cool. Listen to this fact about about the moon. The size of the moon, listen, here's the word, just happens. The size of the moon just happens to be 400 times smaller than the sun. And the moon just happens to be precisely 400 times closer to the earth than the sun is. So guess what? This just happens to make the total solar eclipse possible from an earthbound point of view whenever their orbits travel and bring them in line with one another. But it's all by chance, isn't it? Are you kidding me? One can't help, he says, feel but a nagging sense of suspicion that there's probably more going on here than just a mindless series of happy accidents. Really? I like that word. Turn to somebody and say, happy accidents. Okay. Next one. Listen to this. If the surface temperature of the sun was slightly higher or lower, life on earth would not be possible. So flip it around. Not just the location of the earth further away or closer away. Uh, we'd fry or freeze. Hey, just even if we were in the right spot, if the sun was hotter or not, hot, we're still toast. So that's got to be right. And there's, again, now notice, go, go back to that picture with the rocks stacking up. Right? Stacking up. How many rocks have we stacked up so far? And we ain't even close to being done with this list. And this isn't even all of them, this list that he's compiled. And you're still going to continue to believe that it's all that much chance? Ludicrous. All right. He says this. He says, uh, if the earth rotated around the sun at any other speed or diameter, then life could not be possible. So it's not just being stuck in the right place, but the, the this rate of speed that the earth goes around the sun that, that just happens to be in the right place, which just happens to be giving off the right amount of heat, happens to be the exact same speed that you need to have and uh, the uh, diameter it happened to stop in the right spot and started to rotate on this track exactly what it needs to be all right because you could go at the right speed but if your diameter from the sun's off you're toast but it just happens to be right put another rock on the pile 
Okay, is, what, is what's going on. If, if the cosmological constant... Now, how many guys read that on the back of the granola bar this morning? It's like, nah, I learned something new every day about that granola bar. Yeah, whatever. Uh, it says, and that's the energy density of empty space. Okay, the empty space is in space. If that were any different, life on Earth would not be possible. In fact, all the seemingly arbitrarily unrelated constants in physics have one strange thing in common. These are precisely the values you need if you want to have a universe capable of producing life. Crazy. Continue on. If the delicate ozone layer did not exist to filter out the sun's harmful ultraviolet rays, life on Earth would not be possible. We know if you tweak with that thing, and I'm not believing in the, the global warming lie. We've talked about that before. Uh, but we do know that that actually does have an effect on human life. I don't have time to go into this. Lord willing, we'll go into it greater detail when we get to the issue of Noah's uh, flood. Okay, and we'll go into what was the pre-flood society like, as well as the atmosphere, the effects on the human body, and the effects afterward when that uh, 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 canopy uh, in the atmosphere uh, collapsed. Okay, and what we know uh, is that uh, with that water that was in the atmosphere there, that it created a greenhouse effect on the human body. Uh, it also, and the oxygen content was much higher. Uh, the, uh, the pressure uh, was higher. And we know, because they've duplicated experience with that, that it has really fantastic results on all of life, not just humans. Uh, Lord willing, when we get to that part, I'll actually show you a video clip of a guy who's put this uh, to test on fish and under the same environments in a pre-flood environment, and the fish woo, got massive. Massive, piranha, he did it with piranha. And the piranha that are normally like this are like about like this. I thought this was bad enough. I'd say unplug the system, you know, or eat that thing or something. But that looks creepy. All right. But they've also done on the human body. Many skeptics look at the beginning portion of Genesis and when it starts talking about so-and-so begot so-and-so who begot so-and-so and he lived 969 years. Ah, oh, that's a bunch of baloney. You expect me? Really? Well, they've actually done the experiments with the same pre-flood atmosphere and they found that it has amazing effects on the human body. You not only heal faster, uh, you not only can uh, run longer and without getting tired, uh, it's just amazing effects. And one of the effects it has on the human body is longevity. And NASA actually took the research uh, from this guy, Dr. Carl Ball, and his research, and they began to uh, use it on some of their biospheres and applied the same kind of uh, atmosphere uh, things with humans and what they have found, and this is from the report, and again, we'll get into this much later, I'm just giving a little teaser, is they have stated, and this is, this is from NASA, this is their quote, they said that what they have found, that, that, that uh, when these men came back, only being in that atmosphere for a few months, that uh, their gray hair uh, had started to disappear, their wrinkles had started to disappear, and I'm not making this up, they even said their libidos increased to the point where their wives complain. It's in the actual report. The youth started coming back. Okay, and usefulness, and it says this, and we theorize mathematically that if they're in these conditions, okay, that the human body could max out at about, and this is their quote, 1,000 years. That's from NASA. And we're the goofballs who believe in the literal Genesis account when it said Methuselah was how old? 969? He still had time to go, according to NASA, right? But see, that's what happens. Our atmosphere has to be exactly what it is, okay, or it's going to affect life. Okay, let's continue on. If the moon were any closer to the earth, ocean tides would cover the highest mountains. How many guys would say it'd be kind of hard to breathe at that point? Right, as well as go to work the next day. Uh, if we're any bigger in the same place, the tides would be too strong. Life would not be possible. The thickness of the earth's crust, even the amount of dirt we got on the earth. If it were slightly different, the earth, uh, life on earth would not be possible. If our planet did not have an abundant supply of carbon, oxygen, nitrogen, hydrogen, phosphorus, and calcium, life would not be possible. In fact, no other planet has been found to have all these crucial elements to sustain life. Everything that we need just happens to be here and only here. It's almost like God specifically chose this planet to do something really fantastic for a fantastic creation called mankind created in his image. Interesting. Okay, let's continue on. He says this, if our planet were not covered with four-fifths of water, which evaporates, it's the hydrologic cycle, which gives us rain, regulates temperature, life wouldn't be possible. If water did not have such a high, listen to this, water, we're going to get into it later, Lord willing, water itself is an absolute miracle. The fact that we have, when you start, you like water, we don't even think about water. I mean, we drink it here in Vegas a lot, but uh, we don't think about and appreciate just the gift that water is, okay? But it's not just water itself. Listen to this. If water didn't have such a high boiling point, was that 212 degrees Fahrenheit? 
Uh, and if it's solid form, ice, were not less dense than its liquid form, life on earth would not be possible. So it's not just we need water to exist and it's a miracle in itself, that liquid period. Okay, but if that liquid period didn't have the precise boiling point or if it didn't have the right uh, 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 context uh, for the solidity to form, you couldn't have life. How many rocks have we piled up so far? We're still going, folks. Turn to the next page. If the process of atmospheric evaporation were not finely and precisely balanced, life on Earth would not be possible. If the range of temperature, humidity, pressure, and or acidity in our atmosphere were different, life on Earth would not be possible possible and listen to this if the speed of light constant or the gravitational constant were slightly different life on earth would not be possible and he says this the fundamental laws of constants of nature did not gradually evolve into their present life supporting character through a process of natural selection as widely believed instead they spontaneously came into being god went okay but when they did uh, with the existence with the origin of the universe itself they came in listen perfectly calibrated perfectly calibrated and ready for action. In other words, it popped on the scene, ready to go, fully functioning like a watch. That's our universe. That's what he's saying there, folks. There's no way. Despite the infinity of possible errors, remember, if it's all chaos, all random, all by chance, you mean to tell me not one of these things, these rocks that we piled up, is going to fall down? Every single aspect is finely tuned. Now we're going way beyond just 12 parts in a finely tuned, calibrated watch. This thing is getting very complex. And this is just the universe. Wait till we see everything else. Uh, he says this, the universe repeatedly chose the correct value. Each time it had to do so f- as far as our own existence is concerned. Mathematicians tell us that the probability for this happening, based on the evidence, this isn't, oh, you guys are brainwashed. You've got to accept this by blind faith. You've got to check in your brain at the door when you become a Christian. No, mathematicians tell us that the probability for this happening is what? Zero. I didn't say that. Mathematicians. And I think some of those guys have the weird hairdo too, so they should listen to them. All right? Yet we are here. All right? Yet we are here. Now, quickly, I'm just going to take you over here uh, into the middle of next page. I want you to read this quote with me. Roger Penrose. You see that over there in the middle of the page? Okay? He says this. Roger Penrose calculated the mathematical probability of our universe just popping out of nowhere. Okay? With the mind-boggling degree of fine-tuning that enables us to exist in our universe to be 10 and uh, uh, to the 10th to the 123rd power. Now listen to that. It doesn't sound big, but listen, this number is so vast that it can't be written on a piece of paper the size of the entire visible universe. How many guys would say it's a large piece of paper? How many guys would say we might run out of trees before we... How many guys would hate to see the size of that pencil? <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Inquiry minds want to know, John. Uh, what? That's, it's, that's how big that number is, right? We think 123, yeah, woo-woo. That's how big that number is, okay? If, it, if just the universe popped out of existence, that's nothing. Let's go the other direction. Now, remember, if you saw before, we had, it's calculated uh, with an event with a value of 1 in 10 to the 50th power. 50, not 123, 50th power. We saw before, and this is mathematical equations. Listen to this, that... It will never, if something, they've calculated this, mathematicians, I'm not making this up, this isn't some Christian with blind faith, they've calculated that if an event, whatever you want to say that event was, something blew up, this happened, whatever, it can never, is their words, it can never happen ever by chance. It's impossible. So if you go over the 50th, 1 in 10 to the 50th, mathematicians say, it'll never happen. I don't chance, years, add whatever you want, it's ludicrous. They're saying mathematicians that have... Now, first of all, we just saw the number for anything popping out of the universe out of nowhere is uh, double that, over double that, almost triple that, right? So right there, we should, according to, not us, not according to us being blind in our faith, okay? We didn't even have to quote one Bible verse, not that that's bad, okay? But I can just demonstrate mathematically it is ludicrous. In fact, remember what we saw before and said before... Once you start taking a look at the facts, folks, scientific, even mathematics, even logic, it takes more faith to maintain a belief in evolution. And if you want to be kind of comical to make a point, you can flip it around to an evolution and say, you know what? I just, I just have my hats off to you. I've got to give it to you because you've got more faith than I do. 
I wish I had a faith as big as yours. Because it takes more faith to believe that than my belief. You know what I'm saying? I'm telling you, that's the ruse that's being played on. They're suppressing this truth by wickedness. I think, that by and large, the reason why so many people believe in evolution is, number one, they want there not to be a God. Number two is because they are not given the opportunity to share to the contrary. People don't get to hear this side, right? Not in school, whatever. So they don't know. And again, that's our privilege duty is to be able to share that uh, with them. But that's what he says. He says, listen, it's one in 10 to the 50th power. Okay, is what he's talking about there. But let's continue on. So that's what's defined. Now, a guy named Sir Frederick Hoyle, he decided to calculate the probability, use the math, of a single bacterium coming into existence from some so-called primordial soup, right? Now, prior to this project, Hoyle was a firm believer in evolution, spontaneous uh, generation, but once he did the math and looked at the evidence, he turned his opinion around 180 degrees. He had to because it's impossible. Listen to this. Using the laws of chemistry, probability, thermodynamics, and a computer, he calculated that the probability of a spontaneous generation of just, listen to this, this is not even the whole bacteria. This is not even the whole ba- uh, amoeba. This is just the proteins of an amoeba. Not all the amoeba, just the proteins. The one aspect. A little, right? He calculated that just the odds of the chance generation of the proteins of an amoeba is 1 in 10 to the 40,000th power. That's just the proteins. of the, That's not the amoeba. That's just the proteins. Now, remember, what, what the chance never happens is what? 50. Just the proteins of the amoeba is 40,000. It's ludicrous to say that and to maintain that, okay? And just to give you an idea of how big that number is, uh, it's estimated that the number of atoms in the entire universe is 1 in 10 to the 87th power. That's a lot. Okay, uh, it's ridiculous. In fact, it's said that this kind of thinking... To say that, well, no, it's still happened by chance. The proteins of an amoeba. Logic says, mathematics says, this kind of thinking is about as reasonable if you were to say that given enough time and chance, you know, just pick your years, Bobby, right? Mm, I'm going for a trillion today. How about you? You still stuck on billions? You better add some more. Okay, no. But given enough time and chance, okay, that a Scrabble factory, how many guys like playing that game? How many guys always get in fights with that game? You start out with great intentions, but you're so competitive. Yes, not me. Anyway, let's... Anyway. Give enough time and chance, okay, that you believe that a Scrabble factory could explode enough times, because it's going to take quite a few, that eventually that the letters and the Scrabble will land perfectly to spell out the whole book, War and Peace. Yeah, 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 give enough time. You know, a trillion, billion, yeah, yeah. What? Or that a tornado can whip through a junkyard, leaving behind a perfectly formed Boeing 747. I don't know about you, but did you guys see that footage? This is the math. This is the logic. If you believe that, that's what you believe also, according to math. I don't know about you guys, but remember the, the horrible uh, tornado that went through Joplin? All that footage. Did you guys see the footage afterwards? It was amazing. You know, I mean, that was a, a bad stuff with all due respect to those who lost loved ones, but by, by way of a humorous analogy, I don't know if you guys saw that, but when, after that thing was done, that tornado whipped through there, there was, I, I think at least I saw, but I didn't get to see every news interview, I saw at least seven uh, a Boeing 747s that were on the edge of the community, ready to go. What a blessing. That'll help regenerate their economy, and they could sell them and build the city again. And... Uh, uh, no, that's not what happened. But if you believe just the proteins from an amoeba, uh, you believe that too. Why don't they put that on TV? Okay, that would make your hair go, mm, if you're trying to teach me. <laughs> you guys probably know the guy I'm talking about. But anyway, so anyway, uh, but anyway, or let's continue. Just the proteins. If you do the math, the odds of a person winning the state lottery every single week of their life from the age of 18 to 99... Every week, from 18 to 99, is more likely than the spontaneous generations of just the proteins of a single amoeba. That's the facts. And that's why he concluded, Sir Frederick Coyle, he says, listen, the likelihood of the formation of life from inanimate matter 
is one to the number of 40,000, like he said there. He said, quote, is enough to bury Darwin and the whole theory of evolution. There was no primeval soup, neither on this planet nor on any other. And if the beginnings of life were not random, and they're not, they must therefore have been the product of purposeful intelligence. Can anybody guess who that might be? God. And he gives you all this evidence and you still say, no. And you wonder why the wrath of God is being revealed. And our society is going down the tube. One more. All right, that's just the proteins. Let's take a look at a bacteria. All right, let's just try one bacteria. One little bacteria. I mean, because isn't that the whole premise? That somehow, some way, some so-called simple cell popped on the scene. All this soup. Well, let's put it to the test. All right, remember, it, it, it's 50, you know, beyond that. Never chance that, and this is, this is our own research, math. Okay. Okay, and uh, so uh, this is the cell. Now, in the cell, it's not just made up of proteins. You've got the DNA and the RNA and all the other stuff that holds it together and all that gook and stuff and like that. And again, it's not just randomly whatever. You get an electron microscope. We'll see actual videos of this. It's a complete, complex machine factory. Phenomenal. Okay, but anyways, let's take a look at the odds. Now, a Yale University professor, his name was Harold Morowitz, he calculated the odds for this event. This is, now, we went from uh, the universe which is way above and beyond, no way. Uh, we went to just the proteins of an amoeba. Now we're going to, all right, let's just try a bacteria. What do we come up with? I'm not even going to write this number out. He calculated that the chances of a single bacteria somehow coming to life is one in 10, let me make sure I get this right, 100 trillionth power. I got to write that out. There you go. An event after 50, 5 can never happen by chance. I don't care how much time you give it. And the whole premise of evolution that some bacteria popped up is 100 trillion. How many guys would say, you may not be the best at math, and you may not get this on the back of that granola bar, but would say that that's a little bit bigger than that one? Ludicrous. What's that? Three zeros? That could very well be. Let's keep going. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and to use the analogy, they, they, they've, uh, I forgot to share that again, but I shared it before. Uh, that would be akin to saying like this. Let me give you a visual to go with 1 in 10 to 5 or 50. Okay? Like, I could literally, we could calculate the odds of me throwing a baseball uh, to the moon eventually. That's your event. But we know just even saying that without even doing the math, hey, I could throw it one, one baseball every second for every year that I could ever be alive what are the odds that I'm ever going to make it to the moon? Now, that's my event, and I can calculate the odds, but that is a 1 in 10 to the 50th. Never, never a chance, whatever. Okay? So I can never throw a baseball to the moon as much as I want. That's this. But the universe, the proteins, and the bacteria did? It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy, okay? And that's what he says this. He says, listen, now, let's, we're going to close after this. Uh, here's the same logic. Apply this, Okay? Not just you winning the lottery, but if this is the bacteria one, but if you and your entire extended family are more likely to win the lottery every week for 100 years than for a single bacteria to come into existence. And we're the dum-dums. We're the one that is blind faith. Who's got the blind faith? Okay, not us. They do. Okay, and keep in mind, our bodies have 50 trillion cells. Now, remember, that was just one bacteria, one little cell. Our body's got 50 trillion of those, okay, which all have to be in existence all at the same time. How many guys can verify that? Which all, by the way, they happen to coincide and not only work together, but they form these things called organs. Not that thing over there. It's a different kind of organ, Tom. I know you're thinking that. Okay, but that has design in it too. I know where you're going with that. Okay, uh, but your organs, you know, your heart, your liver, your lungs. And how many guys could uh, demonstrate that you have to have all those in place all the same time, fully functioning, or you're not doing too well? Okay, now, that's not only that, happened by chance, uh, but then you happen to have to somehow pop on the scene, uh, not only just a male, but a female, in order to procreate and to get the whole thing going. And we all know it's hard enough just to get married, because you've got to have like each other, you've got to... It's ludicrous. I mean, when you start looking at all this, folks, it's insane. And so you know, when you first start out with that text, when it says, the wrath of God is being revealed against mankind, is it really that harsh of God? And we're not even done with the list. And this isn't even the whole list. 
That God has given us, you are without excuse. It says there, no stinking wonder. I've given you this, I've given you that, I've given you this, and give me a break. I've even given you mathematics, I've given you the brain that you use to discover and to use and write and do mathematics. And you have the audacity to say, I don't exist, and still rebel against me. And then you actually think that you're going to stand before me and continue to shake a fist at me and say, I didn't have enough proof. Once again, how many guys would say that if you're going to do something on a Saturday afternoon, that's probably not a good thing to do? Praise God. Lord willing, next time we'll pick up where we left off, get dealing with some more proof uh, with that, and uh, hopefully finish the chapter uh, next week. And then, believe it or not, we take our first detour. And our first detour is with heavy-duty PowerPoint actual video clips uh, you thought this was interesting. We're going to go even deeper, Lord willing. And we're going to take a, Lord willing, 10-week journey all on the evidence of intelligent design. We focus mainly on the aspect of the universe. We're going to go literally universe, earth, and smaller, 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 all the way down to bacterial level. And we're going to take a look at the complexity of God's design. So that'll be, Lord willing, in a couple weeks. But let's pray. Well, hi. This is Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church. And I hope you enjoyed today's study. But before you go, let me ask you one final question. Are you sure that if you were to die today, that you go to heaven and not hell? Before you answer that, let me share a couple things with you. Did you know that the Bible says that God is holy and that we are not? And the Bible also says that the wages of our sin or our unholiness is death. In other words, when we die, and it's coming for each one of us, we're all marching towards the grave at different speeds, but it's going to happen. The Bible says, therefore, since the wages of our sin is death, we deserve to die and go straight to hell and not to heaven. And that's bad enough, but to make matters worse, we don't want to admit this. God already knows. He knows uh, all of our behavior, everything, our thoughts, what we've done, what even we're going to do. He knows it all. He's gone. Even though he already knows this, we don't want to admit this. And so out of love and mercy, God gave us something called his law or the Ten Commandments. It's kind of like his x-ray into our heart to show us what he already knows, that he is holy and that we are not. And it's this unholiness or sin that separates us from him. Let's take a look at God's x-ray, if you will, his divine law, to show us what he already knows. The Ten Commandments, uh, the ninth one, says this, you shall not bear false witness. Okay, that's called lying. Okay, and if you've ever told a lie once, which we all have, myself included, the Bible says that makes you a liar. Okay? The, the, another commandment says you shall not steal. Okay? Uh, and you might think, well, that's something that everybody does. Well, it doesn't make it right. And it demonstrates what God is trying to show us, that uh, we all have sin and it's separating us from him. Even if you took a pencil in the third grade from somebody, if you did it without permission... That's stealing. And so now you've become a thief. The Bible says that you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. And how interesting it is and unfortunate that the only name under heaven by which men might be saved, the name Jesus Christ, has now become a common cuss word. The Bible says that God is so holy that even his name is holy. If you've taken the Lord's name in vain and used it as a cuss word or even flippantly, the Bible calls that the sin of blasphemy. And so now you become a blasphemer. The Bible says you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus says if you even look at another person with lust in your eye, you've committed adultery in your heart. And finally, the Bible says uh, you shall not murder. And you might think, well, hey, I haven't done that one. Really? Well, again, the Bible says that the sin of hatred is the same as the sin of murder. The only difference is you pulled the trigger, if you will, in your heart, you wish they were dead. And in God's eyes, it's the same thing in principle. Folks, that's only just a couple of the Ten Commandments. We didn't even go through all of them. But I think you're starting to get the picture. The Bible is correct. We have all fallen short of the glory of God, myself included. And that we are separated from God as a result. And so when our time comes, we're not automatically going to heaven. We are headed for judgment. We are headed for hell. Now let me tell you the good news. The good news is that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to save us. Jesus Christ died on the cross. It was the death penalty of its day. 
He paid in full uh, the price for our sins to be forgiven. Let me give you an analogy. For instance, even today, we could see that a person could commit a crime. Uh, they, they cannot reverse it. The, the sentence has been passed. The judge has uh, slammed his gavel, and they are ushered off into their jail cell. And in this particular crime, they are going to receive the death penalty. And so they're behind bars just waiting for the time, waiting for the call for them to go and uh, receive the death penalty. But believe it or not, as we know, there is a way that a person can get off a death row. And that is if the one in authority, the governor, would grant them a pardon. Now, they didn't earn it. Uh, They certainly don't deserve it. And there's nothing they could do uh, to earn it because nothing can reverse their crime. Okay? Yet the one in authority has that ability to grant them a pardon. Well, can I tell you something? That's what God has done through Jesus Christ. The cross was the death penalty of the day. God sent his one and only son to die on the cross, to take the death penalty in our place, and that if we would just receive his pardon for all of our sins, God is willing to allow us to get off a death row. He's willing to forgive us completely of all of our sins. That's the good news that I want to share with you. God loves you. The Bible says that God is not willing that anyone should perish, but everyone come to repentance. Won't you, if that's you, call upon the name of Jesus Christ right now? Won't you ask him to forgive you of your sins? The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Won't you do that now, wherever you are? Please, take God up on his amazing, loving offer. I'll let you down. Man will let you down. People will let you down. But God never will. He wants to adopt you into his forever family. He loves you. He's willing to forgive you of anything and everything you've ever done, past, present, and future. It's amazing. Please, call upon Jesus now. Well, this has been Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church. If there's anything that we can do for you, please don't hesitate to ask. Our number and information will come up here on the screen here shortly. And remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless. Thank you for watching this presentation from Sunrise Baptist Church. If you would like to send us a letter or any other kind of postage, you can reach us at 1780 Betty Lane, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89156. For more information, you can give us a call at 702-452-8599 or email us at bcrone at getalifemedia.com or you can visit our website at www.getalifemedia.com. Billy Crone and this ministry can also be found on Facebook and Twitter. Join us for services at www.sunriselv.com.